Welcome to Bub Club, a horror movie podcast. On today's show, we will get into some horror babble, followed by our spotlight on Rosemary's Baby, and then we'll get into our top three favorite vampire movies. And we are your hosts. I'm Brandon. I'm Melanie. I'm Josh. Lindsay. Welcome to episode number two. All right. First off, I'm going to talk about, I guess we're going to get into some serial killer stuff. Sure. You guys know about H.H. Holmes? I do know a little bit about him. I yeah, know time. He was H.H. Holmes, a Triple serial H. killer in 1893, <laughs> and he made a hotel and he tortured people in it. He invited them to rooms that with poisonous gas and watched them die. This is the guy that they kind of did the American Horror Story, uh, the hotel. They kind of based a character off of H.H. H. Holmes. I'm guessing they, because that is what this character did was built this hotel where yeah. he like tortured and They called it the people. castle, I guess, because it looked a lot like a castle. And he had special rooms. And I guess with little peepholes so he could watch people like suffocate. So people would come and stay at this hotel? Well, he would invite certain people. So you can go stay there, but he would invite certain people. Like, you can stay for free in my this room. And then he'd gas them. So he built it during the World's Fair, too, right by the World's Fair. And so it attracted a lot of people. Uh, There was a book, what, Devil in the White City? Yeah, and I thought they were going to make a movie about it, right? With DiCaprio. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he like bought the rights oh, for it because right. he wanted to play him. So exactly. we'll see what happens, but that would be an amazing movie. I would love to see that movie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's an interesting story. So it, it's interesting to think about, like, just you go to stay at a hotel. And, and you're dead. Yeah, that's it. And, and dead in probably a really well, terrible way. you're probably pretty excited at first. Like, I got to go stay at the castle for well, free? You're on vacation. And well, so... <laughs> Was it only people that he invited that he would kill? Or well, was it randoms? because if they were certain rooms that were death traps, I think there wasn't a lot of random people. I mean, they were probably like, but he'd just be like, oh, yeah, I come stay at my hotel, you know, in this room. And So lesson is never go stay at a hotel for free. Yeah, like you'd probably die. No, I mean, would they pass out and then he would kill them? And then so they would never know they were dead? No, they would just die right in that room. Oh, so, so that's I an thought, awesome way to die. I thought he would, like, torture them. I mean, not an awesome I, way. But. I think most of it was, like, poisonous gas type oh. stuff. Well, and then he'd do bad. stuff with them afterward, I that's guess. That's fine. Like, like no one, but I mean, you're alive. Bodies, I don't know. <laughs> you're on vacation. <laughs> you're you're happy. You're away from work. And then you go to sleep one night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's worse ways to die. There's definitely worse ways to I die. I mean, I'm not saying he's a good person for it. But. No, but... He's freeing people. Yeah. <laughs> it's enlightenment <laughs> in some sort. All right. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk about The Haunting of Bly Manor. Uh, they just announced that it finished production uh, this week, I think. So I was doing a little bit of research into it. And this is going to be like the second season of The Haunting of Hill House, but it's going to be a completely different story oh yeah they uh it's gonna be like american horror story basically they even have some cast members that are like coming back on and playing different characters interesting i actually almost liked the haunting of hill house up until like about the last two episodes it was a yeah little bit. it had a very strong opening and yeah. then and some really cool reveals and then it just kind of 
oh, we're going with like this happy route. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to inject rat poison into my veins and then I'm just going <laughs> to throw not, up and not be die. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, it is a little bit. We'll, and, we'll you know, see what happens with this uh, second season. I'll give it a shot. I'm a big fan of the it the n- non-happy ending too. Like we just got to be a little more brave. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you there. The interesting thing I was uh, looking at the source material that this is based on, and it's based on a book called "The Turn of the Screw" by Henry James. I know that book. Yeah, it was. I didn't know it was based on that. Yeah, or this upcoming season. This upcoming season is based on that. So, like, different author. The book was written in 1898. So, it'll be interesting to see how much freedom they take if they're modernizing it or if they're setting it way back then too. However, aside from American Horror Story, I know like The Haunting of Hill House was actually scarier than like American Horror Stories gets kind of goofy yeah. and a little silly, but and it's still fun to watch, but it's it's more entertaining in a fun way mm-hmm. where there was some really scary moments in The Haunting of Hill House. So I'll definitely be watching this second one. Oh yeah. And I was uh seeing images on on Reddit. There were like almost hidden scares that if you were like just looking in in the corners or uh, sometimes, like, under the piano, there'd just be a guy, like, staring at the camera. That, That's kind of cool. Uh, I want to cool. be that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, did you see that one episode? Well, if you looked hard, <laughs> I was there. <laughs> what have you started? I'm the guy under the piano that you could barely see in hell. <laughs> yeah. I, I had five seconds of screen time, and I just looked at the camera. Well, I have something I'm excited about, which is Peninsula, this is the Train to Busan, basically part two. Um, it happens in the same universe, and it is set four years after the first flick. Uh, in it, the Korean peninsula is devastated, and Jung Siok, a former soldier who has managed to escape overseas, is given a mission to go back, and he unexpectedly meets up with some survivors. Now, I'm super excited about this, and I'm also nervous about this, because Train to Busan, to me is a masterpiece. It is is like made its way into my top five zombie movies of all time. And I love it. I think it's a perfect example of what a horror movie should be, where it has everything in it. It has comedy. It. I, I think we talked about this a little bit last time, but maybe we didn't. I thought we talked about it. But it, it's, it's, it encompasses like every genre. Like there's comedy, there's uh, drama, there's horror. You know, it's got everything. Yeah. So. They do have the same director returning okay um, Yan sang ho which yeah that's always promising when when it has kind of the same people working on it um i also heard that there is a english remake of train to busan that no, is in production right now it's gonna be like train happen. to manhattan <laughs> yeah <laughs> i will watch it i will watch it will but you, i don't I'll, i think it will be awful i i don't know that i don't i'm not gonna even go in thinking it'll be awful but to me train to busan is a masterpiece and it does yeah, not it does need not to be redone it's for people that can't read, so. <laughs> yeah. If you can read, just read the subtitles. You know, we'll probably do a remake episode, but the way I feel about remakes is the originals always still exist, so I'll give any remake a chance. Right. Although, even though I don't necessarily feel like it's, uh, well, necessary, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some remakes are actually really good, but in this case, I don't know. I, I just, I find this movie, like, almost... No flaws whatsoever. So it's going to be a hard, hard one to remake and, and have me be like, yep, yeah, that, that yeah. would make sense. Here's the thing with remakes. Usually 
the movie should become outdated. So they just make it modern. But in this case, it's not very old. No. So it feels like a cash grab. It's only been like, what, four years? Yeah, it hasn't been long. And I just think they do this all the time. And I have not like really been pleased with any of the American remakes. Of yeah. I feel like there's been one successful one, which was The Ring, the, the first Ring, one yeah. they did. And, was, that's, and that's, that's actually that. pretty cool. <laughs> Melanie, do you remember who the director was that said American directors are um, a captain with no ship? I don't. I think he might be the director from. Um, he made Pulse. I forgot his name, um, but he said that he said there's too many captains without a ship. Seems accurate. <laughs> and, yeah. So I have a lot of obsessions in my life. Horror is obviously one of them, but the thing is, is my obsessions don't really cross over, and this is what I mean. I read comic books, but I don't typically read horror comic books. I typically read um, superhero comic books. But I thought I would give one a try. And this one is Tomb of Dracula. In particularly, Tomb of Dracula, Day of Blood, Night of Redemption by Marv Wolfman. The original Tomb of Dracula, it's, it's Marvel. And it was like their their Dracula comic book, and which you would see Blade in and whatnot. Uh, the original one is 1972. This one was a sequel to it that came out in 1991. Um, I didn't know that until I started reading it. However, uh, I wasn't. I didn't feel lost. They did a good job of filling you in of like the important bits that happened previous. But it follows a Frank Drake who helped kill Dracula, and the Van Helsing in this was actually a female, Rachel Van Helsing, who was his girlfriend, who he left. And his current wife gets, um, his current wife gets possessed by Rachel Van Helsing, and Dracula becomes alive again. And there's a professor that's starting cults all around the world that is uh, trying to become a vampire, and that's why he resurrects Dracula. Um, I had a rough time reading this because it did feel a bit dated, coming out in the '90s. I I like. Uh, modern comic books because the older ones the villain is a little wordy he kind of tells you everything that he is on his mind instead of letting the reader find out through story so that was a bit harsh also a little bit of toxic masculinity in there <laughs> the main character cries because his wife was possessed and all this thing is happening again and blade comes in and calls him a wussy I think that's a I think that's a good reason to cry if your loved one gets yeah. possessed. I would think so. Uh you can you can't count on your fingers and toes how many times this guy's put down for not being a man. <laughs> He's some kind of descendant of Dracula and Dracula keeps saying that like Rachel Van Helsing is more of a man than him. That's pretty brutal. <laughs> that's pretty hard to that's pretty hard to like read and I'm take seriously out. after that. Yeah. I already like it. <laughs> um, I'll let you borrow it. The art in it is really cool. I really liked it. You know what it felt like? The it felt like um, so in Lost Boys, he's uh, the one of the the kid in it, one of the main kids, um, the Corey Haim is reading a comic book. He's reading two comic books throughout the movie. One is uh, Va all vampires must be destroyed, and vampires everywhere. And I always saw those comic books and was like, I want to read them, but they don't exist. But the art in this really has that feel to it. And Dracula is actually really cool in it because he's ne he's not he's barely ever just a dude walking around on two feet. 
He's constantly turning into a shadow or smoke or what looks like liquid. And he, he's constantly morphing into different things, a wolf and a bat. So that was really cool, but uh, kind of hard. Hey, if you want to suggest some horror comic books to me, I would love to hear them. You can email us at bubclubpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and I want to I want to like some horror comic books. I just I haven't found the right ones. But yeah, so that's uh, Tomb of Dracula, Day of Blood, Night of Redemption. Be a man. Be a man. <laughs> now I'm a man. <laughs> okay, okay. So um, I rented <laughs> 411 this week of Lindsay's Prime. Um, and it really, it's just a documentary about kids who go missing in national parks. But they insinuate, they don't come out and quite say it, but they insinuate it's because of Bigfoot. Is this a real documentary? This is a real documentary about real kids who have just disappeared and they have found like their shoes or their clothes and they weren't bloody. These children have actually gone missing. They have actually gone missing. Or yeah. kidnapped by Sisquatch. Yeah, are, are kidnapped by the Sisquatch. <laughs> but I, I'm sold. I believe it. No, I, feel I like think I a, watched it and like they were just saying like an animal would leave a trace behind, and I'm like, no, probably not. Like if you got eaten by a cougar, like there'd probably be not a lot of. So and, like, why Bigfoot's an animal? So why can't you think like a bear could do the same thing? Or why does it have to be a giant monkey? I guess. Well, because he's starting a family. <laughs> And he's not leaving any traces because they're not dying. They're just in a cave somewhere. I feel like as a parent, I would be upset if somehow my child went missing and then they explained it by being, there's probably Bigfoot. I'd be really upset. (laughs) Well, there were parents on there who were like, I don't think it was a cougar. I don't think it was like a bear. Like they're like, we can't explain it. But I think that's part of like not being able to let go of yeah. your loved one like i think part of its grief in a way oh, maybe you so, know were these people like reality. really isolated or was it more the public areas where um, he's asking uh, a nice way if they were stupid uh, well, no i'm just <laughs> yeah some of them were um, i i don't think they were isolated a lot of them was like it was just like really sad like one guy let this christian group take his son on a hike they weren't watching him and boop he's gone Oh, well, you I could yeah. think about <laughs> go away with a bunch of Christian religious dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could think yeah. what happened. They, yeah, it's just, well, there you go. Well, I didn't even thinking, like, come like, to that conclusion. A, like, like there's, kidnapping. Is well, a, that's what I was like yeah. thinking, too. Another thing is, like, another kid was two years old. He went on a trip with his parents and his grandpa, and then this friend they invited, who was a sex offender, and their kid went missing. You're like, well, the doy. Yeah. Like, Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not the convicted sex offender. Yeah, it's like, come on now. Come Fun on. fact, Bigfoot is actually a registered sex offender. <laughs> <laughs> he came to my door in an old neighborhood of mine. <laughs> Maybe we should make a documentary yeah. about Bigfoot rape. I don't know. <laughs> like, not that I've thought about this a lot, but if, if there was a time and a place to, like, get rid of a kid like going to a national park is probably jesus oh, i guess that's true <laughs> yeah because like, yeah, I mean, oh it was an animal another <laughs> thing <laughs> as they said all these kids are like handicapped in some way and i thought really? that was their dick like one of them was hearing impaired one of them had autism so maybe, maybe josh is right maybe oh the parents are just God. overwhelmed and like, and you're Bigfoot, you didn't. <laughs> or Bigfoot's just progressive and building his his Bigfoot family with a bunch of handicapped children. Yeah, <laughs> giving them the attention they deserve. 
<laughs> oh, um, this got dark. <laughs> um, I'm not going to watch that documentary. No. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. I'm just saying I did. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I have some horror news that I'm actually really excited about. So Universal Studios, well, it's Universal Orlando is, uh, this has been in the news for a while that they're actually creating a theme park, a new theme park. And this was like, it's about three years away from opening. And what they've announced so far is that they're going to have a Nintendo themed area. You know how Disneyland has different themes, has like Tomorrowland and Uh is Frontierland one of them? Is that making that up? I think that's like in Lagoon, a local. Okay. (laughs) Well, they have separate little theme. It's called a theme park, and there's different themes, right? So um, Nintendo, that would be pretty neat, right? Yes. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon. Okay, whatever. But what I'm excited about is they're doing a classic Monsters Land theme. That will Mm. be awesome. Yes. Um, So the park will usher in an area where monsters like the Hunchback of Notre Dame the Phantom of the Opera, Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, and others um, will be terrorizing park goers. Like walking around and terrorizing them? Uh, supposedly. This is all speculation and some various leaks about what is happening. So uh, word is plans seem to include a sneak at how the makeup is applied for the horror movies and special effects. Various horror-themed Entities and shows, Beetlejuice's graveyard, and various haunted houses cool. and other haunted relaces, uh, related places. Uh, there's also talks about a new castle going up, uh, similar to the one that's like the Cinderella's castle, but instead being maybe Frankenstein or Dracula's castle. That's cool. Yes. I'm into it. Oh, I'm in. It's too bad that it's in Florida, but still. We'll have to do a Bub Club road trip. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I'm super stoked on that. Okay, so the last uh, horror babble I have is a horror fun fact that I'm calling novelizations aren't always pointless. Uh, so I always had, like, when I think, think of novelizations, they're after the movie's made, they write a book based on the movie. That does feel pointless. It does, right? And a lot of people like doing it, though. It's really popular in the, like, the 70s and 80s. I never did it. I mean, I understand, like, going back and reading source material, but, like, I don't know. But this makes me think that it's not so pointless. So the Halloween novelization reveals that Michael's great-grandfather killed a couple up at a harvest dance on Halloween. So great-grandpa Myers then identified his victims by name before he was hanged. Or hung? Hanged? That sounds weird. I think anyway. it's hanged. I think hanged is the hanged. right word. Yeah. Um, even though they'd never met him before, saying he heard their name in his dreams. Huh. Huh. So they expand on the lore a little bit. I guess so. And maybe that's why you would read these novelizations, is maybe they go a bit into it, give you a little treat that you that they didn't include in the movie. But, yeah. I guess if I think about it hard enough, if there's a movie that I... I love the most, and I can't get enough of it. And they're like, oh, there's a book, and there's a little bit of extra in the book. I, I can see that, I guess. Yeah, uh, I think that's mainly the point. Seem, seems a little fan fiction-y to me, though. It does uh, seem a little <laughs> fan fiction-y. <laughs> Hopefully there's, there's no... There's people doing that all the time <laughs> online. 
<laughs> All right, so next up will be our spotlight on Rosemary's Baby. The movie we watched was Rosemary's Baby. For those that don't know of this movie, I feel like most people would know what this movie is. <laughs> or at least the but, name. Uh, yeah, it came out in uh, 1968. It was directed by Roman Polanski. And it's about a young wife who comes to believe that her offspring is not of this world. Rosemary Woodhouse and her struggling actor husband, Guy, move to a New York City apartment building with an ominous reputation and odd neighbors, Roman and Minnie Kastavit. When Rosemary becomes pregnant, she becomes increasingly isolated, and the diabolical truth is revealed only after Rosemary gives birth. And what a truth it is. <laughs> I got Hail some, Satan. I got some fun facts about this. So this was actually based on a book, and the author said that this film is the single most faithful adaptation of the novel ever to come out of Hollywood. Uh, William Castle, who was the producer, speculated the reason for this was because it was the first time that Roman Pulaski has ever adapted another writer's work, unaware that he had the freedom to improvise on the book. So, yeah, that's the only way how that happens. So basically he didn't think that he could not... not no, he thought he... he well, it, it's speculated that he thought that he had to extremely true to the book yeah well which you should yeah if you don't have your own vision right yeah i, I mean because stanley would, kubrick's the shining was uh leered pretty uh, far away true. from the, yeah, the that's novel true. that's true and it became its own thing in fact stephen king hated it right he right. hated the movie yeah uh mia farrow the actress um actually ate raw liver for a scene in the movie despite oh. being a vegetarian at the oh time. man yeah um, we have a couple vegetarians like, on the cast. Yeah, so Lindsay and I are vegetarians. Would you do this for sure. a movie scene? I guess that's, so. that's what I was thinking, too. But at the same time, like, okay, so in The Revenant, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio eats raw meat. That's the first thing I thought of when I heard this, too. And that seemed, that seemed like plausible. That seemed, um, that seemed like he should have done that, I guess, for, like, the realistic reaction that he had. Like, he was, like, vomiting and right. eating. Right, And it felt really realistic. But this was, like, such a short scene, and she just, like, scarfs that's it true. down and then cut scene to her puking that's true so like i would have been like well does it have to be raw meat it can't be like a jelloey thing or yeah, something yeah i mean could <laughs> it you look just, real though i mean we could i mean we're it on a probably. movie set right yeah i mean we would look real like the devil's in this movie it's not you really the devil can we get some fake I take my meat? answer back i think i would i think i would not want to like i would do it if i had to if, if i was were, in dicaprio's if, shoes in that right. scene i would i'd be like i'll sure. take one for the team right but if it's like you're gonna eat this and i'm like am i gonna am I, should i be like really horrified by it like no no just scarf it no like, you're gonna pretend good. to enjoy it like, well, <laughs> well can i can, can i get some red tofu <laughs> <laughs> i would say that even like today with like beyond meat and all that stuff that stuff looks like meat yeah too. like there's an, enough imitation meats that right today today it'd be back a lot then safer to eat back then not raw. at all yeah actually that's pretty progressive of the actress in the 60s to be a vegetarian right uh, yeah, it wasn't maybe. a popular thing i don't know there's a lot of hippies in the 60s so so the movie takes place <laughs> in 1966 and the baby's due date is june so did you guys pick this up i didn't no. So June, the month of June is six. Oh, oh, 
So the date oh. June 1966 would be 666. Hail Satan. Yeah. Uh, this was one of Stanley Kubrick's favorite films. And actually, Josh, you have some you have some other um, filmmakers that were inspired by this yeah, movie. Yeah, I, I found an article online that just uh, kind of listed everybody that had uh, cited this as inspiration for some of their horror movies. And it almost seems like a go-to. Like, if you're making horror movies, you have to list Rosemary's <laughs> Baby at this point because everyone else is. But... Um, Ari Aster, who we talked about last week with Hereditary, uh, and Jordan Peele with his uh, debut film, Get, Get Out. Out. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that surprised me was uh, John Krasinski uh, cited this as uh, inspiration for A Quiet Place, hmm. which... It does just seem like everybody just has to... S- yeah, like, <laughs> that movie's wildly different, right. but it's like, oh, they're both horror movies, so okay. a little bit of an inspiration. Um, Darren Aronofsky's uh, did Mother, okay. and uh, there were some... You can see uh, that, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then there was one movie that I hadn't heard about until I saw it on this list, but it's Alice Lowe's Prevenge. And I've never heard of that. It's about... It's a slasher movie, from, from what I've seen of, like, the trailer and everything. Uh, a pregnant woman uh, has, like, a dem- demonic-type child that, like, can communicate with her telepathically and it's telling her to like kill people and okay it, it looks kind of fun <laughs> i heard about this film but i passed on it so i actually have something to admit about rosemary's baby which is as long as it's been out i have and as big of a horror fan as i've been i've never seen it up until we watched it a, a week ago and it's kind of funny because I knew somewhat uh, what the, what the plot was. I knew that you know she had a devil baby or whatever. But in my head, I thought that that happened like way earlier on, and then like the movie was about kind of like living with the devil baby. So it was kind of funny. Uh, my like preconceptions of it going in, I thought it would be like really boring, and I thought it'd be really slow, which it was really. It was slow. It was a slow burn, I would say. But yeah. it was really well done. Like. It was a very done, well done movie. I think if you go into it like with the preconception of I'm watching a horror movie, you might be disappointed. It, it's more of like a movie with like kind of a horrific twist, I guess. Right. Yeah. Right. Because it's, it's more of a kind of like a drama almost than it is a horror movie most of the time. I mean, there is horror elements to it, but it, it definitely feels like what, what she's going through and, and you, it kind of builds up. It feels a little more dramatic to me than than like a horror movie. You're not going to get scared. You're you're just going to kind of be horrified. It's one of those movies where if you take out the horror elements, you still have a movie there. Right. And those are my favorite kind. Um, I didn't know this, but this film, along with Repulsion, 1965, and The Tenant, 1976, uh, forms a loose trilogy by Polanski about the horrors of apartment slash city dwelling. Interesting. There's also a TV movie sequel called "Look What's Happened to Rosemary's Baby." I never knew that. Do we see? Do we see <laughs> the baby? 1976. Uh, it's more about Rosemary's baby, who's not a baby anymore. He's a man, and Rosemary's kind of out of the picture. She's lost him, and he's like running from the occult and Satan. So what? he's like going against. Uh, I thought he was born with like hooves and and devil eyes. 
They do say that, right? Yeah, they're like, yeah. look at his feet and his hands and yeah. his eyes. And then in the end, she's like, his eyes. Yeah, what like the, his this, eyes? this baby does not look like a man. Well, he might have satanic powers. He could change himself into human form. I don't I'm know. So Screw Maybe, you, yeah. Dad. I don't want to do what <laughs> so, you do. <laughs> it was interesting. I, I don't a, want your life. <laughs> <laughs> I did a little bit of reading up on this movie, and I don't know if I really want to see it, but uh, the... Description of the movie is, having been adopted by the madam of a southwestern brothel, a now adult Adrian must cope with the fact that he's Satan's kid <laughs> and not living up to his expectations. Oh, no. <laughs> so that's so, interesting. There's been a lot of, like, spinoffs almost of, of this yeah. movie. I saw I was, pictures of this, and he's wearing, like, white makeup, and, like, is he a clown part-time? I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, based on what I read, the movie basically ends the same way Rosemary's baby does where he, he has, has a, a kid, kid and then the cult gets the kid. So he gets pregnant. Uh yes. So it's like Wait, part no. horror movie part <laughs> like junior? junior, yeah. <laughs> Prequel yeah. to junior. So, uh the cult ends up the exact same way that it ends up at the end of this movie. They've made no progress in the thirty years that they were supposed to take over the world. So I, I actually I saw this movie when I was younger. And I felt that it was way too boring and slow. And I don't even think I finished it because I don't really remember the ending. No, actually, the the God is dead. Hail Satan. Hail that, Satan. Yeah, that actually <laughs> stuck in my head. But, but you know, I watch a lot of horror documentaries, too. They That's include true. that a lot. Yeah. Um, I think this is one that people need to check out if they're horror fans. I think so. I think it's, I think it's appropriate. It's it's visually, like, really cool. like, And it's really well directed. And And there's a lot of, like, little horror elements that you don't, think about because it is moving a little bit slower but even just like you know you see people in the house like walking behind her and you can tell there's like this something going on and just the angles that they shoot things at it it, it is pretty scary it's it's easy to think that i guess it, creepy i think yeah. it like has this creepy feel to it the entire time and i really see the um inspiration um that it gave to hereditary yeah, you know, because of the well, besides the naked old people, <laughs> but the following and the you know making yes. friends and it, like you don't know that these friends are actually some of your worst enemies, right? And they seem so nice and so sweet. Yeah, and it goes into some psychological things where um, if you didn't know the outcome of this movie, you might think that she's going crazy. Sure, you know, sure, and it, and it doesn't like doesn't shy away from that i think that was the intention no and at that time i think women living in like the that era you know i i think we were not taken seriously at all and there's this scene that's like interesting where she goes and visits another doctor and kind of like spills her guts about what she thinks is happening and that basically that her doctor and her husband have like turned against her and they're trying to harm her and the doctor tells her like i'm going to help you and he turns around and he's like, he puts her in a room and then he calls her husband and, and this doctor and basically like, take care of this. She's, she's out of control. She's, she's hysterical. She's hysterical. Yeah. And, uh, and she's treated like a child, like, like they own her and like, she doesn't have, like if something's really, even if something was really wrong with her to like put her back in that dangerous position of like, okay, let's just put you back to where you're having trouble instead of getting the, you the help you need. You know, it was just like, ah, women. And I don't think that was accidental. I think no. the film was saying mm -hmm. something. Yeah. Even though the director um, maybe is not a role model. No, no. <laughs> you yeah. could still look at this the film as a, as a <laughs> you know, a, 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 I don't know, a speaking for yeah, those it doesn't times. Make, it doesn't make the film like any less 
important, I guess. Yeah. And the doctor was a dude from Beethoven. It's oh, right. Yeah. The doctor that turned was the yeah. dad from Beethoven. Yeah. No way, really? Yeah. yeah. You could barely recognize him, but I was like, that voice. So I do have a question for everybody. If you went through this whole ordeal as Rosemary did, and at the end you find out that your child is indeed Satan's spawn, would you then decide to take care of your baby? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like I made it this far, you know. (laughs) Well, so there's this interesting scene, and, like, as a mother, I could, like, really, this really, like, resonated with me. There's this interesting scene at the end where she thinks her, her baby has died, or they're telling her that, at least, and... Like, after I had my my baby, all I wanted to do was hold that baby, and I just wanted to be around her, and I just wanted to comfort her. Like, you've gone through this nine-month ordeal with something, and and now that you see this person, like, live and right in your arms. So, I can't imagine, like, like waking up and being like, your baby's gone, and it's dead, and you're going to have to deal with that. And then she, the reveal is like, no, the baby is alive, and it's Satan's baby. There would be this part of me that's like, oh, my baby's alive. And, I, you know, I'd almost forget the Satan part. I just want my baby. And that kind of is what happens to her. She just realizes that, like, I'm the mother. And she does not want to lose the baby. It's interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, well, if I was in the situation, I guess I would be the father in which I'd be like, you cheated on me with the devil. And that's not my kid. <laughs> So. I mean, he kind of offered her up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So that dude. I don't know if cheated's the right word. Uh, as if uh, victimized. <laughs> yeah. That dude was an asshole, though. Yeah. And, he was and, awful. And I really like the slow reveal of that. Because at yeah. first you think, oh, this, this guy's fine. He's no problem. But then it slowly reveals, like, how selfish of a person he is. Right. Well, and they also- So it, it's very believable that he did this. Yeah. And he did this all for an acting career. The the interesting thing is back going back to the sequel is uh, there's one point in it where she calls him up and demands to have some money once she escapes the like coven and basically like baby. child support. And yeah, he has a successful acting career and he ditches them. He leaves her. Of course, he with does. The yeah. satanic cult because he's gotten just, what he needs. Right. Yep. I like the. So there's that hidden closet, right? And that leads to the room of the occult. Right. I really like that reveal. I like when she's going through and there's the picture of the burning church, you know, yes. and then like she walks in and they're all surrounding in the, the, uh, baby crib is all Gothic. Yes. And, like, there's an know. upside down crosses, the mobile. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really like that touch. And it's they're all kind of funny too. Is it not like, did it, anyone else get that? Because there's like this lady there and she's just like very gleefully like, hail Satan. Yeah. yeah. Oh you yeah. Know? Yeah, I think funny. that was trying to be creepy because I think they were trying to um, they're trying to say that this is very normal for these people, yeah. right? And there's different yeah. personalities in it, but they were all like kooky, well, right? It's, it's and like laid back. And you know, yeah. you know what I like about these old cult movies? It, I like I, I kind of equate it to like walking through an old house with all these weird hallways and weird just constructs constructs that don't seem to belong there, but something about it like kind of fascinates you. That's how I feel about like these old movies is you're kind of like walking through and like, that is kind of weird, but I don't know why I like it. And that's how I felt like watching this whole movie that there was some weird stuff in it. And I, and I just kind of like it. And I think a lot of like old cult movies or new cult movies, I get that they have just something like something unique about them that you can't help but look at. And I think this movie has a lot of that. Like there's a lot of interesting things to look at along the way. So Melanie's being a little quiet. I think it's because she doesn't really like the film. Um, it's not that I didn't like it. I just, I really, I watched it like you said. I haven't watched it recently. I watched it when I was younger. 
Um, I would say I probably watched it 16, 17. Um, so, and I just remember being bored. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say more on it. I should have watched it. I was busy this week. Um, but um, there were parts that I remember liking at 16, 17. I do like, I did like the end. Um, but I don't know. I need to rewatch it, I guess. I need to give it another shot because maybe the I would, older me. I would me say give it another shot. Like it. Yeah, but the younger me was watching it alone, like at three o'clock in the morning. And I just think I got bored. Yeah, you know, I was about 16 when I watched it, maybe 15, and I felt the same way. I think I, I'm pretty sure I turned it off. I was like, this <laughs> is not scary, and this is really boring, See, and I don't care about this couple. When I was but younger, I had that thing. Well, I still have it where I have to finish. So yeah. I finished it, but yeah. like I just remember being quite bored. So I don't know. I think as a younger person, you might you might be. Yeah, I don't know if I appreciated. But if you go into it that quite like watching that. a movie and not, not expecting to just be scared, I think... I don't know. I, th- I think it going into it thinking it's going to be like scary the whole way through. It's it's kind of a horror. F- it's a slow burn with like quite the horrifying See, reveal. And I, I appreciate that now that I'm older. Yeah. So I think I should watch it again. But when I was younger, I was so into Asian horror. Like that's all I wanted was the scare. Like I just wanted to be scared and um, have that imagery, the scary imagery. And this movie really, I don't remember any really scary imagery. I don't know if, like you said, people walking in the background, so maybe it does, but... There was one scene at the beginning when um, it is obviously one of the first ladies that they pick for this right. um, ritual, and she's thrown out of a window, right. and you see her remains on the ground. Yeah, that's that's pretty creepy. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. it's like kind of bloody, and her, her eyeball popped out? I think right? so. Was there an eyeball? Her face was pretty smushed. Yeah. yeah. But aside from that, yeah, it was. Uh, there's not a lot of scares. There's definitely no jump scares, and it's uh, it's a slow, creepy feeling. Would, would you guys watch it again? That's what I'd ask you. Now that you've watched it recently, in a while, it would take me a while to it? have to watch it again. So I'd watch it again. Yeah. To be honest, I might not. There's just too many horror movies out there, and there's too many that are like. I'm not saying that it's not rewatchable. I'm saying if I'm being honest with myself, I wouldn't be in any rush to watch it again. Yeah. And even in a few years, if somebody suggested it, I'd be like, I, I check that off. I think that yeah. it's worth the one watch. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm up to watching it again. Cause I just remember being so like, okay, <laughs> you know, but, you know, I, maybe I will, I should give it a shot. There's a, there's some nipples and some penises in it. <laughs> well, there are, there are. well, I'm gonna watch it now. <laughs> okay, um, so let's rate this. Go for it, Josh. What's your rating? Um, I'd give it a seven point five. I think I'd go eight. Yeah, you know, it's hard to rate things, but there's like your opinion, like how you felt about the movie, and how you thought it was as a film, like how well made it was. And I'm yeah. just gonna combine the two. And I'm going to say it was a seven. Uh, because I watched it, I'm going to give it a six. Maybe I'll change my opinion later. <laughs> we can talk about yeah. it. It's interesting because, yeah, like definitely not my favorite horror movie, but a lot of directors that I love and the movies that I love have like cited this as an inspiration. Well, you have to so, remember too, yeah. a lot of these guys, people like grew up with, with this movie, right? Well, yeah, yeah, I'm thinking yeah, too, in the definitely. time that it was made, it probably right. was pretty amazing. Pretty like there's not a lot of stuff like that. Not a lot of people saying hail Satan. No. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I think it's important. I think it's an important film, and I think uh, you should watch it if you're a horror fan. But all right, well, that's our spotlight on Rosemary's Baby. Up next is our top three favorite vampire movies. All right, so we'll just discuss how we constructed this list. There's actually a lot of vampire movies I like, but I had to go with ones that... I had to be honest with myself. I could have picked really cool ones. You know, I could have picked, like, Martin. Like, yeah, Romero's Martin. <laughs> but I I would be lying to myself. Like, I, I want to stay true to these lists, and these are, like, my favorite vampire movies that I've seen a lot and will watch a lot. Well, when I was making my list, um, I did sort of the same thing. I, I first just asked myself, like, which ones have I actually watched the most? Which ones had like a, an impact on me growing up, or which ones that are new, newer that have come out that I've I've just kind of loved. So that that's that's kind of where I was when I was making my list. Yeah, I realized that I haven't seen very many vampire movies when uh, you said that we were going to do vampire movies this week. So over the last two weeks, I binged watched a couple vampire <laughs> movies, and this is the the top three from what <laughs> I've seen. Great, so. <laughs> Um, I picked my list just off of, um, you know, I really don't like this genre. I'll be honest, not my favorite, but there are some that really have stuck with me. And like Lindsay said, that I've watched over and over again. And that's kind of how I derived my list. All right. My number three is Interview with the Vampire. Director Neil Jordan and writer Anne Rice. So this seems like maybe it's not a horror movie. It seems like maybe I could call it a drama because they're, but it but it's got vampires. It's about vampires. So I'm calling it a horror movie. And if I have to be honest with myself, I kind of just love this movie. And it is like dramatic, and it and it's it's not you know I don't I don't watch it and get even really get a horrified feeling at all. But I do like watching the story of these vampires as it goes through. And it's kind of a long movie. But it's a movie I saw when I was quite a bit younger. And it, and it was kind of... I had seen nothing like it since then. And it was big. Like, at that time, I hadn't seen a lot of vampire movies come out that had, like, made it, like, worldwide. Like, people were talking about this movie. And especially because, of course, you have Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise in it. So how could you not talk about this movie at the time? I think... I'm not sure. I can't. I didn't actually put the time that it came out, but I believe it was sometime in the 90s. I'm sure Brandon can figure that out for me. But those those actors were huge at this point. So it was kind of cool to see these huge actors, this huge Hollywood movie with vampires. And it's just not something that you you had seen yet up, up until that point for me. 1994. 1994. So I yeah, I was I was 12, 11 when this came out and it, it was really cool to me. <laughs> I mean, vampires are of the horror genre. So I think most movies that include vampires is a horror movie. Right. Oh, it also has Christian Slater in it, right? And he was really huge at that time. Yep. Yeah. I believe he's the guy doing the interview. And I just, I think it's a cool concept. It's just this, this story of a vampire and he starts from the beginning of when he became a vampire and he's lived for 200 years and he's now just doing an interview with some dude in the 90s. So it was, I don't know, I thought it was really well done. Uh, there were some really 
like sad moments and there were some really cool moments and I just like all it I feel like if you're into vampires I don't understand how you could not like this movie because it's very vampire-y <laughs> like there's so yeah. much like vampire lore in it and there's so much there's like different kinds of vampires they go to different places there's hives there's people that live alone and it's just to me it's really fascinating and they're lovers right I mean, you can, I bet the book probably goes a little more into that. I don't know if anybody's um, read the book. Who are lovers? The Lestat and... No, not, well, I mean, there's a sexual aspect to it, right? But in the book, they're not lovers. Um, Actually, Brad Pitt's character is in love with the the little girl, but she's stuck in that little girl body. It it almost insinuates that in the movie as well. Yeah, and so in the book, it goes into more of that. So like they're um, that, more of that's a kind more of a couple. To me. I won't read yeah. the book, but <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it's not like he's being a pedophile because she's right. You know, thousands of years old, thousands, and how, yeah, hundreds. hundreds so, but he did raise her though. Yeah, right. I guess he raised her as a right. daughter, but it's a little creepy. Yeah. yeah, it's a little Woody Allen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my number three is Brides of Dracula. Brides of Dracula is a sequel to Horrors of Dracula which is uh, Hammer Horror's Dracula series. There's like a ton of them, I think eight. Um, Christopher Lee is is Dracula in these series, and Peter Cushing is Van Helsing. However, in Brides of Dracula, Dracula's not present. There is a person who was turned into a vampire uh, that Baron, I think his name is Baron. Baron? Yeah. He um, is chained up in his bedroom his mom has chained him up they're calling him like crazy and then a a girl comes in and sees that he's chained up and she's like oh my gosh this person needs mental help if he's crazy and he needs to be unlocked and she unlocks him and unleashes a beast um then peter cushing does play uh van helsing and van helsing comes riding in on a carriage and stops it uh it's Gosh, man, these Hammer Horror films are, I just like absolutely love them. The classic Universal monster movies are great, um, but these to me are like the monster movies I want to watch. They're like dripping with like just that gothic horror. And there is, they call it Brides of Dracula, but the guy isn't Dracula and he's the one that turns these girls into vampires. So a little confusing, but they almost went with, calling it Dracula 2, so I guess this is a better title for it. But the brides are kind of corny, you know. It's it's from the 60s. It came out in 1960, and they do a lot of hissing, a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of funny. But, man, it has one of the coolest vampire-killing scenes in it. So, spoilers, but Van Helsing gets on this windmill, and he grabs the windmill and turns it so the shadow that's casting onto the main vampire is a cross. And it burns him up. Oh, nice. And it's really cool. So that's, that's my number three, Brides of Dracula. I feel like if I was Van Helsing in this universe, every time I met someone, I would just test them with a cross. Just be like, hey, sorry, I'm a vampire <laughs> hunter. This might be kind of weird, but can, can I just press this against your skin real quick? Do you want to try some garlic bread here? <laughs> Pretend to hug them like, hey, what's up? I'm a hugger. And then like pat their back with a cross. See what happens. I'm confused as to why you just wouldn't want to be a vampire. Like you wouldn't be like, hey. Well, here's my next question. Would you rather be Van Helsing or would you rather be Dracula? Dracula. Uh, I mean, 
you're damned to hell once you die, right? Right. And you have to kill people consistently. Right. I'm cool so with it. So I'd be, I'd, I mean, and if I got to be Peter Cushing as Van Helsing, Peter Cushing for sure. Because later on in the distant past and, and from far away, I'm like, then I turn to the other side and I am like uh, Darth Vader's main man. <laughs> Wouldn't you want to live a few eons? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Not if I had to this, kill people. This one's pretty long. So, <laughs> okay. So mine is the same as Lindsay's. My third one would be Interview with a Vampire. I'm going with that because I think we watched it together as kids, uh, probably. And I just have that nostalgia about it. I really loved actually the Vampire Lestat. I don't know why, but that was my favorite character. Because he's kind of a badass, right? Yeah. And then it's kind of interesting. Anne Rice, who wrote the book, she didn't want Tom Cruise to play Lestat. She hated it. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I think know. he made a really good Lestat. I think he did, too. I mean, he's crazy. He's batshit crazy. But, you know, like I said, I think it's more like nostalgia is why I like this show. There was, like Lindsay said, there was nothing like it. I would, I would have really liked to see something after because the movie ends with basically Lestat coming back to, to life and, and starting over yeah, this whole yeah. process. It'd have been, but maybe but we don't need did, it. They made it and it was, it was horrid. Oh, right? Queen of, Queen Queen of the Damned. Oh, yeah. was that? And you know, I even hated the book because she made Lestat like a rock star and I'm like, oh. what the? No, okay. What? I take my thing back. Lame. I'll just pretend yeah. in my head that it never, mm-hmm. <laughs> that I, I'll just make my own story up. I'll fan yeah, fiction exactly. this. So as far as the books go, the first one was Interview with the Vampire. The second one was the Vampire Lestat. Then the third one was the Queen of the Damned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. see, I thought there was something called the Vampire Lestat. Yeah, yeah but that was just in book form. I don't think they've adapted it. But the but they Queen did, of they the Damned was Queen like a, damned, right? it was very it was 90s. Uh, even, I think it came out in actually two, early 2000s. But it was like a music video. Right. I kind of remember that aspect of it. It's bad. It's bad. And in the book, like I said, it's bad. It's like when they she took it to that, like, that's really what you're going to do with them. You're going to make them a rock star. Like if oh, that's Morrison. Right. he was a rock star. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just. Mm. Okay. Dumb. My number three is Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust. And this came out in the year 2000. And the director is Yoshiaki Kawajiri. Um, it's an animated movie. Uh, I just really liked the action scenes. I thought it was pretty cool, like the vampire fights and everything. Um, I did, the copy that I had was an English dubbing, which usually when I watch like an anime, I usually watch it with subtitles with the original language because sometimes the English voice acting is kind of off. I don't want any dubbing. Like, I'm fine with reading. I want to hear the original. Also, you just have to trust the translations correct, right? And that's not always the case. Right. I am. No, I'm not a fan of the dubbing. Um, If I remember correctly in this movie, it has a really cool opening scene in a graveyard and, like, really cool, like... I, don't, I guess you'd still call it cinematography if it's animation. Yeah, it's, there's still direction like, in there. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, I really, like, I remember watching the beginning and just going, I'm in. So my number two is What We Do in the Shadows. With director Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi. Did I say that right? I never know how to say his name. Takai. Said it better than, Ta- than I would. Taika Waititi. I've been saying Takai Waititi, and then I heard it recently Taika. on like a, a news show or something, and 
realized I'd been saying it wrong. I think but it's I forget. Taika. Taika. Uh-huh. Yeah. So this, and this is more of a, a comedy. It's definitely horror comedy. But I, I chose this because it's, it's something that I've seen that's a little bit newer. And I just, I love it. Like, I love every aspect of it. And I think it's a really interesting concept of let's do a reality show with these vampires who've who've been alive for centuries and they kind of don't even know like modern technology anymore and it's kind of just like a glimpse into the world of what that might look like and I, I think it's really funny and I even like the series that was basically spawned from this and I, I've been watching I've watched all of that as much as I can at least and I'm excited for the next the next season and I think they did really well with it and I believe it's just, it's one of the better, like, funnier horror comedies that are out there. Yeah, I like how they have the different vampires in it. You have the old yes. Nosferatu yeah. type, and you have the vampires from different ages. And I like how when they get into arguments, they fly <laughs> yeah. at each other. And, hiss. and they do the they hissing. Hiss. Yeah. yeah, they they kind of make fun of the genre a little bit, don't they? Like, And that's yeah. another funny part is we do have, like, a little bit of every vampire that we've seen throughout movie history. And and they definitely like over exaggerate. I don't feel like it's really making fun of, right? I don't feel no, like it's, it's a poke. It's almost an ode. It's an ode, but they're just making it into comedy. Yeah, kind of like kind of like Mel Brooks with um with Young Frankenstein, right. right? It's not making fun of it. It's like a tribute to with some humor in it. Right. I also do like the fact that they have werewolves in it, and I <laughs> I heard that they're gonna make either a series or a movie that that is uh, based on the werewolves in it. I, I would probably know, watch so. that too because yeah. it's it's pretty funny. All right, so my number two is Fright Night, um, not the remake. Um, I particularly like the Fright Night of 1985, I believe it was. Yeah, 1985. Um, I saw this when I was young, and it just like it just hit like everything that I like. Like it's 80s, and it's like a teenager who is into watching horror movies in his bedroom so much to where his girlfriend who's Marcy Darcy from uh from oh uh, the Bundys married with children married with children and she's like you know she she wants to explore sexualities in her teenage years and he's like you know more like watching the horror show and his neighbor and it kind of has that hitchcock feel to it at first like uh rear window you know where he's like watching his uh his neighbor uh, quite closely and discovers that he's a vampire and then he's like talking to his friend his friend's name is evil and he's like trying to convince his friend that he's got a vampire next door and his friend doesn't believe him and oh my gosh it has like the coolest transformation slash saddest ending to that evil character because he's like a vampire evil becomes a vampire and he gets that cross on his head so he's got this like the cross is tilted just a little bit so it looks like an x on his head and then the uh, the guy from the TV show who's recruited to help him uh, kills him, stabs him in the heart, and he's like transforming back into himself and like not wanting to die. And it's like tear jerky, man. Oh, it's like rough. it's like really sad. And even so, to where it like close ups on the guy that kills him, the old man that kills him, and he's like tearing up and like almost like wanting to reach out and help him. That's rough. And, I uh, like when movies do that, though. Yeah, me too. It kind of brings you into this reality, forces you to almost 
feel it feels more real. It makes it, everything feel more a little right, bit more right. real. You have to. I, that, that's maybe why I'm so drawn to horror is because it has everything in it, right? Right. It has you're you're scared, you're sad, you're laughing. Right. I mean, a good more horror movie is going to explore all your emotions. Um, and the the vampire, the main vampire in this, is the voice of Jack Skellington. <laughs> that's a you know what I remember about this movie when I watched it is I was pretty impressed by the practical effects. Oh yeah. Practical you know, effects I thought, is really good. I thought like the, the vampires themselves looked pretty cool. Yeah. And some of the transformations and stuff were really cool. So I guess I should talk about the remake. Um, uh, you know, when I first saw the remake, I hated it, but I was like, I had convinced myself that I was going to hate it before I saw it. And I didn't like that the way that they switched it around where the kid that lived next door to him was not believing in it. And evil the kid was trying to convince him that it was a vampire next door to him but on second viewing of it i said all right you know what i'm gonna watch this like there wasn't the original and i turned it on and was like i've I've never seen the original fright night it's just a its own movie and i I quite liked it you know i I liked that one from the start yeah the remake i really like the scene in the pool where they turn he turns his friend into a vampire yeah i thought that was an awesome yeah Yeah, uh, and and I like how uh, what's his name Colin Farrell. I like how he played the yeah, vampire, he's like very. very yeah. yeah, he's like a monster, right? Yes. He's void of emotions. Mm-hmm. And when they're like freaking out and like we're gonna leave, he's like, "All right, see you later." Yeah, yeah. I, I really do like that. But the original just like is the original. It's the original. <laughs> we and used to watch it a ton when we were kids, mm-hmm. didn't we? We did. Yeah. And there's just like some nostalgia there, and I could rewatch this movie over and over again. So that's my number two, Fright Night. All right, so my number two again coincides with Lindsay. <laughs> it's what we do in the shadows, and it's just because this film is Joseph awesome. Movies, yeah, it, it made me laugh, and I don't know. It's one of those shows I think I could watch over and over again. Yeah, I do love the werewolf kind of versus vampire thing, and the werewolves are almost even funnier than the vampires. Yeah, like, I love the scene when they're running and they rip his friend into pieces. <laughs> they make it. They make the werewolves even goofier. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I just really like the show my number two is uh 30 days of night uh it came out in 2007 and it's directed by david slade uh the things i really liked about this movie one was the setting uh it's like this really rural town in the middle of alaska and it's like cut off from all society and at the peak of winter there's like 30 days where the sun doesn't come up so a pack of vampires comes in and they're like, we can party for 30 days, drink everybody's blood and everything. So That's a vampire party, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I like how they come in on a ship. Yeah. On like this big, like old timey ship, man. It's yeah, so that's menacing. Pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, there were a few, uh, the vampires had like their own language that was made for this movie. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I, I thought it was very creative with that stuff. Um. Sometimes the human drama got a little boring, but I think there was uh, one highlight in the human drama where there was an old guy with, like, Alzheimer's, and the people had to, like, hide in this attic for a very long time, and the old guy kept trying to leave, and he was trying to sneak out, and he's like, why are you, you guys are trying to hurt me, I gotta get out of here, and the humans are, obviously, they're trying to save him, he, like, runs outside at one point, but... Does he get bitten? Um, 
I'll leave that for the oh. viewers. But uh, <laughs> say, does what it would cure, you guys does do? Vampires, <laughs> does vampirism cure Alzheimer's? Because, you know. I what would I do with the yeah, Alzheimer's if, if you person? Had an Alzheimer's guy, you had to take care of. I oh, that'd be rough. I Kill mean, him. I think I'd have. To, I, I think in my situation, if I'm like with my family and he's he's putting that at risk, I'm like, yeah, Go on, little he's buddy. gonna die, right? I mean, the, he's got he's Alzheimer's. Die. In that's a survival a, that's situation, that's yeah. what you got to do. Right? That's a tough situation because uh, either he dies or everyone dies, yeah. right? Or no. you like do something horrific to him, like duct tape his mouth and tie him up. No, you yeah. can't do that. You kind of got to, you maybe again, maybe vampirism cures Alzheimer's and you're setting him out to a better. I don't think in this movie though, they're making people vampires, right? Or they're oh, just, they're no, just, no, yeah, they're, they're not. Eating the them, right? yeah, oh, that's not a little bit rough anybody. then. Yeah. They don't want to turn anybody. Um, I guess as a vampire, you would be choosy. You have to spend the rest of your life with these people. There's like an assistant <laughs> to them that's human, that's going around with them and, and sabotaging things for them before they get to the town. And he's thinking that he's promised to be a vampire. And spoilers, he doesn't get changed. Does he get upset? <laughs> but he is like wacky dude, man. Yeah, well, You would be at that point. And I really like it kind of opens up with him at the bar and like, you know, they... He, uh, the main character, Josh Hartnett, comes up and talks to him, and they're just like not serving him what he wants. He wants you don't, don't give me what I want to eat, <laughs> what I want to drink. <laughs> I thought it was, yeah, a uh, pretty good movie. There are a few people that do end up turning, and I, I feel like the, the conversion from human to vampire is like pretty good in this, uh, in these movies. This guy's like screaming in pain and agony, and like those screams slowly turn into like sc- vampire oh, yeah. screeches and it was it was pretty chilling watching it i thought yeah uh, it was sad it was a pretty good movie so yeah that was 30 days of night all right my number one is let the right one in not the remake which is let me in that is let me in let, let me the in. right one in director thomas alfredson uh i just think this this movie is another like just masterpiece in my opinion i love i love the idea that we're following this young kid who kind of gets picked on and he befriends this vampire that decides like i'm gonna i'm gonna protect you from people and i'm, I'm gonna save you from this and it's also kind of like this weird love interest you know he he falls in love with her I'm not sure she's capable of falling in love. No, I think she's like kind of using the kid. Well, right. right. Well, that's what we find out in the end, right? Like, she, well, she already has some like a helper, like much like Thirty Days a Night. Vampires mm-hmm. need yeah. helpers, and it's this older man, and he ends up in a horrible fate, if I remember correctly. Yeah, because he's not doing his job correctly anymore. He's right. like slipping. Right. So yeah, then, he's getting, like, he's getting old. Right. It's insinuated <laughs> that she's trying to find another one. Right. Yeah. So and she she picks his boy, and it's and that's kind of sad because it's kind of this romantic experience for this boy, and he he's probably loving what's going well, on, he's and then lonely. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's sad. And as like a kid who grew up kind of nerdy and getting picked on, I can't help but you know just empathize with this kid. And you kind of you kind of want him to have a vampire pal that goes and kicks everybody's ass who makes fun of him, but when I really think about this movie, I think about that pool scene in the end. Do you guys remember this yeah, scene when she comes and through. and you see the the bullies that finally catch up with this kid and they're holding him under the water, and then all you see 
is kind of chaos. Like, you know that there's chaos going on above, but you don't see anything. And you see, like, somebody's leg dragged through the water and then yeah, just lopped blood. off. And, and you see, like, floating, I believe, or something. Like, I can't remember. But that is a horrifying scene. That whole scene in general, like, what she's really capable of, you don't really know until that moment, like, what kind of a monster that she really is. But she is horrific and and that is like these are children that she's just tearing apart and i think that's like just a a really powerful scene that sticks with you after you watch this movie and it's why it's my number one that's a great movie i actually read the book it's a very thick book and it has a lot of detail in it and it has a lot of maybe unnecessary detail i won't go in it into it because it's pretty bad (laughs) um yeah like uh pedophilia i thought you said um, you weren't going into it <laughs> well i'll just <laughs> i didn't even know there was a book i thought yeah it's based on a book yeah that of, the, of the same title back. right let the right one in this is the swedish it's in it's in sweden yeah the original he's got um, a really cool haircut yeah and the remake was done like a year or two <laughs> afterward yeah i think this came out in 2008 and the remake yeah. was 2010 i think you're right it's the like the train to so boost yeah thing. it's another like yeah. cash grab and yeah. and the remake wasn't bad per se but it wasn't the original but it, they didn't, didn't need to remake anything, a masterpiece yeah. they almost did it shot for shot they like added in stuff they, they and took out things. things i remember they changed some things that really bugged me and the yeah. end scene wasn't nearly as powerful right no. not at all it wasn't powerful at all i don't think, uh-huh. I, I, think. I um i like chloe grace grace moretz but I, I i like the original actors in this yes. i like the boy in this a lot uh-huh. like he's he feels more sympathetic to right. me yeah because of his haircut it might be because of his haircut <laughs> <laughs> Um, my number one is Lost Boys, uh, 1987. Uh, Lost Boys is, again, a movie I grew up watching when I was a kid. And it's it was written to be like a vampire version of Peter Pan, basically. Like Lost Boys, right? And they're kind of like searching for a mother. And that was kind of the whole premise, was the head vampire was trying to get uh, these two kids that move into Santa Carla, I think they call it Santa Carla. It was all filmed in Santa Cruz. And they're trying to get this guy's, these uh, brother's mother to become like the vampire mother. And the brother gets changed. And the kid finds the frog brothers who are like vampire fighters. But they're like teens and they've never seen a vampire before. And they work at a comic book shop. And, uh, oh man, I just, I love this movie. It's so 80s. And there's a man, there's a concert they go to, and the man is shirtless and buff playing a saxophone. (laughs) (laughs) That's why it's your number one. I can't ever get enough of that. (laughs) But every time I watch this movie, it's like, it just reminds me of why it's my favorite vampire movie. You know, it's so 80s, and the vampires are so cool. And when you're seeing that as a kid, they're in leather jackets, and you got Bill (laughs) or Ted, one of them, Alex Winter, playing the little vampire. With the curly hair and he's short. And I'm like, oh, I, that that would be me. That, I'm Alex Winter. <laughs> Have the dangly earrings. And I love when they're, 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 taking it, they're taking the older brother in to their crew. And they're all on motorcycles, you know. And they go to the, the they, they're hanging out in this tree, staring at this, these like metal heads having a bonfire. And they turn and look. And that's the first time you see him become a vampire. And it's such a cool look. And then they tear him apart. And he's like... Now you know what you are, David. No, now you know what we are. So now you know what you are. Oh, it's so cool, man. I love it. My number one, Lost Boys. 
Okay. So my number one would be Thirst. It's a 2009 South Korean film. Um, it's about a priest, a Catholic priest who falls in love with his friend's wife. Um, he becomes a vampire through an experiment and, um, like a toxic experience. Well, you just, you just have to watch it. And, um, like he kind of then pursues, you know, his friend's wife and it's kind of a love story in a weird sense, um, a love triangle story. Uh, but I really liked it. It was one of those movies where, like, I didn't really want to watch it at first, but I, I had watched so many dumb Asian horror movies. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to go online. And, like, what's the best? And this was on the list. And so that's why I ended up watching it. And I love the imagery. The acting is great. It's one of those movies, like you guys said, if you took the horror out of it, it would be a great story. So I'm tempted to watch this now. You should watch it. I've threatened to watch this so many times. I've seen it scrolling on like Amazon and whatnot, and I've oh, heard so a lot of great things. Platform. Yeah, okay. it's awesome. I mean, it's worth even just one watch. My number one is from Dusk Till Dawn. It came out in 1996. It's Robert Rodriguez directing, and it was written by Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino. So I just love Quentin Tarantino movies in general. I just think they're a lot of fun. And this had the whole vibe of one with vampires. The first half of this movie is basically a Quentin Tarantino yeah, movie. Yeah, pretty much. And then it turns into a vampire movie. Yeah, it's like a, a couple of bank robbers that are on their way to Mexico getting away with a bunch of cash. They run in with a, uh ex-priest, which I just love his character because he has these two kids that are like still yes. pretty religious. And they're like, Dad do you believe in God still? And he's like, I don't know. It's super like dramatic and yeah. like, extra, but I really liked it. it was no, just... This movie's fun. I, I, I love it. And it, it almost made my top three, but I just haven't watched it enough for it to like really get on there. But it could, I could have probably switched it out with, with something, honestly, because I, I do find this movie really fun yeah. to watch. And then the yeah. first half, I would say it's really like, like when he has the old lady and he he kills her, like that's oh, pretty it's, crazy. Oh, yeah. It's a yeah, crazy it's really show. Graphic. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. It, it's a horror movie in in its own sense, in yeah. a different kind, maybe. And then this yeah. guy's just protecting his brother. He knows yeah. like his brother's that Out of way. Control. Yeah, and I don't know. I really like. Yeah, George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino yeah, yeah. are yeah. the stars, and they do excellent. It, I, it is fun. I also feel that Tarantino may have written this movie just to live out some foot fetish fantasies that he has in his head. There's at one point where they get to this bar in Mexico that turns out to be this vampire den, but uh, there's a, a dancer and she sticks her foot in Quentin Tarantino's mouth and then pours liquor down her leg and he drinks it off of her he does foot. Have, I think he's openly admitted to having oh, a yeah, foot fetish. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you could watch has almost every single... Yeah, and you could watch every single one of his films has like some kind the of presence of scene. women's feet in it. Yeah, some yeah. kind and of foot Like my scene. foot. <laughs> my club foot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was a, a pretty... I laughed pretty hard when I saw that. That's a great movie. I have yeah. some honorable mentions before we close out the night. Oh, uh, before we switch, I do have one more thing to say. About oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, when they, that has to do with the actual vampires because I, I feel like I didn't talk about the vampires <laughs> the vampire in this movie <laughs> yet. But uh, they make some very creative vampire killing weapons. Uh, George Clooney's character, he gets a jackhammer and he takes the 
jackhammer part off and puts a wooden stake there. So it's just like a machine gun <laughs> stake. Uh, the priest, he bless the ex-priest blesses some water. That's right. And he has like a holy water gun. That's yeah, it's like a uh, super soaker. Yeah, a super yeah. soaker with holy water. I don't know. And I balloons as like grenades with yeah. holy water in it. Yeah. <laughs> That's always fun. Yeah. And it's like a montage of them putting these together. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's got like a great speech too, George Clooney, before he, they like open the door. It's awesome. If there's anything I love, it's a good like putting together homemade weapons montage. Yeah. I don't know why I'll, I might not ever get sick of it. <laughs> I like Sex Machine, you know? Oh, yeah. He's got the penis pistol. And it's, <laughs> yeah. And it's Tom Savini, man. He's That's a special right. effects makeup That's artist. Right. Tom Savini. <laughs> Back off, Sex Machine. <laughs> <laughs> That would that had to have been Robert Rodriguez putting that in the, the penis so. gun. You would think you so. You know, you've seen Desperado. He's got like all kinds yeah. of uh, <laughs> kooky guns in that. That'd be something interesting to Google. Who's out of the penis gun? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So some of my honorable mentions is Horror of Dracula, the first Hammer um, Dracula film, and Let the Right One In, the Swedish version that Lindsay was talking about, and Monster Squad. You know, that almost made the list. But I just feel like it's not, I mean, it's almost a vampire movie, but it's more of a monster movie. You know, more of a like, monster movie. It's all With the, a vampire antagonist. Uh, yeah, the main antagonist is Dracula. And uh, and he has some vampire brides, and I would argue that that's like some of the creepiest moments in that movie, is yeah. the vampire brides. Yeah, so that's it. You guys have any honorable mentions? Um, I would do Horror of Dracula as well. Yeah, yeah. it's a great film. Yeah, this is just isn't a. a I'm like kind of with Melanie where this isn't a genre mm. that I like. I watch a ton. I I do like Thirty Days of Night. I kind of remember liking Blade. <laughs> yeah, Blade? no, I, no, Blade's fine. <laughs> I think I remember liking that yeah. when it came yeah. out. Uh, I don't know about the second and third. They right. get a little kooky from there. I, right. um, I hear that they're coming out with another one, and Wesley Snipes is at least wanting the main role. But, I mean, it's a Marvel movie. That would be cool if they somehow fit in Blade into the cinematic universe. But I is, highly doubt that. I, I no. think they're planning on uh, putting it in the Venom universe. Oh, okay. This is going off of memory, so uh-huh. don't quote me on this. But uh, they're doing the Morbius movie. That's uh, right, And yeah. he is a vampire. Yeah. So it, I wouldn't be surprised if they... If uh, Blade maybe even made an appearance in that. Yeah. Uh, maybe an end credit scene. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. How cool would that be if just Marvel... And it seems like they might be doing this, creating a dark universe. Yeah. That would be really cool. Yeah. I'm, I don't know that I want to see Wesley Snipes as Blade anymore, though. I kind of... I'm all like about... like. Let, well, let's give somebody else a try, man. You he's, were Blade. He's probably broke, yeah. man. Yeah, but... Yeah, that's, that's his fault. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is true. You gotta... You gotta he's gotta be dethroned. Right. Right, yeah. like it, you know, what someone it, it, younger, right, sure, right, yeah. Sure. Oh, come on, guys, someone needs ageism, <laughs> ageism. <laughs> but yeah, somebody well, hot, vampires you know? don't age, so it, to, you know, to see an older blade just would well, also look you know, wrong to they'll, me. They'll do it yeah. like the Terminator. They'll yeah, that that didn't work for yeah. me. Yeah. Well, that's our show. So join us next time, and if you've listened this long, maybe you like the show. If you do, leave a review on the platform that you're listening to. Also, again, you could uh, email us questions at bubclubpodcast at gmail.com. And we will see you next time.